Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 called Redemption Through His Blood. Do I know who I am in Christ? No matter what's happening in my life, circumstantially right now, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. And I am looking, Titus 2.13 and 14, for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So here's the picture. We were in captivity under Satan. Think of Egypt. Think of the Pharaoh representing Satan. Think of the taskmasters with a whip representing his demonic hosts. We're in bondage to sin, doing the mud dance. If you saw Cecil B. DeMille's movie, making the bricks for the Pharaoh, building his stuff, if you will. But now the Redeemer has come in this picture. It's Moses, but it's still the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lentil. And what do we do? What happens? We are saved. We are set free. We are taken out of captivity into the freedom of worshiping God. So the opening verses are a celebration song. And if you're looking, I think I butchered this in last week's prayer. Here's the division of the book. Chapters one through three talk about the wealth of the believer. If you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. Chapters four and five talk about the walk of the believer. We start with doctrine, then we go to duty. The wealth of the believer, chapters one through three. The Walk of the Believer, chapters 4 and 5. So much practical stuff as we'll get to that. Chapter 6, especially the latter half of chapter 6, is the warfare of the believer. The wealth, the walk, the warfare. Another uh, delineation of the book has been put out in commentaries is the book could be divided this way. Chapters 1 through 3 are about sitting in Christ. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Chapter 4 and 5 are about walking with Christ. And chapter 6, especially starting in verse 10, is about standing, uh, fighting the good fight of faith, taking your stand against the schemes of the devil. So Paul, gets he's going to give us the doctrine first. I want you to know who you are in Christ, how you're saved, by grace, through faith, not of yourself, gift of God. And then he's going to talk about, this is how you respond to it. Now, here's how you walk in response to that. And then he's going to tell you, you got an enemy And here's the armor that God gave you to deal with him so that you don't feel condemned when you're saved. Are you with me? That's the big picture of the book. But the opening verses are a celebration song of redemption. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5. These are chapters that you should read over and over again. Revelation 4 and 5 give us an open door into heaven for the sake of time. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 5. John writes, And I saw in the right hand, Revelation 5.1, of him who sat on the throne, a book. Actually, it should say a scroll, because books did not exist at this time. Written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. Revelation 5, verse 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth, or under the earth, was able to open the book or the scroll or to look into it. 
Now the scroll, many believe is the title deed of the earth, but I think the consensus of scholarship agrees that the scroll represents redemption. The question that emerges from the text is, who can redeem us? That's the question. And no one in heaven, verse 3, there's a universal search that commences on earth, under the earth, was able to open the book or the scroll or to look into it. And John sees the implications of this lack of an individual. He says, I began to weep, Revelation 5.4, greatly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. One of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns. Seven is the number of completion or perfection. Uh, perfect strength, horn. Seven eyes, all seeing, which are the seven spirits of God. Many believe that that's a sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit or the person of the Holy Spirit sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took it, the scroll, out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Worship ensues because of his ability to take the scroll, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, incense which are the prayers of the saints. And one of the prayers the saints have been praying is thy kingdom come, if you recall Jesus' uh, prayer. And they sang a new song, saying, this is a song of celebration and praise. Think of Ephesians 1. Worthy art thou to take the scroll and to break its seals, for thou wast slain and did what? Purchase or redeem for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Now look at Revelation 1, chapter 1. Look at verse 5. Jesus Christ purchased men and women from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. You see that in Revelation 7 as they're all standing before the throne. Look at Revelation 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, Revelation 1, 5, to him who loves us and released us from our sins. How? By his blood. And he made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. He has released us from our sins. Now this Greek word has the, the, the idea of release. And think of the idea of release as being released from captivity. Think of the idea of being released from the penalty of sin. The consequences of sin. For the wages of sin is death. Now, if the verse ended there, we'd all be bummed out and go home tonight and probably eat an extra donut in the foyer. But the truth of the matter is the verse doesn't end there. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, this is the beauty of the book of Romans. This is the beauty of Ephesians. We have been loosed from the penalty of our sins. No longer does the devil or death, back to Ephesians, have their grip on us. We are free. And if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You are redeemed. Don't be afraid to say so. 
Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This is the power of the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel. In him, verse 7, Ephesians 1, in Christ, key phrase, it's got to be in him. It's not through anything else. Hebrews is all about the fact that it's not through the blood of bulls and goats. They can't do it. But in him, we have redemption. Apolutrosos, apolutrosos trosis is the word for redemption there. It means to purchase and set free by paying a price. It means to ransom in full. The Hebrew word for redeemed means ransomed. Now, when you think about a ransom, Jesus Christ said, the son of man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So have you ever seen a movie where a kid gets taken by, you know, uh, 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 what do they call the people when they grab them? A kidnapper. With all that stuff in my brain, you think I'd come up with the word kidnapper. Anyway, thank you for the help. And so they, they give the ransom note. Sometimes it's, you know, in newspaper cut out so they don't recognize the handwriting. And you see the, the FBI come in and they're working with the, the family and that family will do anything they can. They'll, they're, sometimes they won't even contact the authorities. They'll pay the ransom price because they love that child so much. Or you ever seen this where someone would say, take me instead of my child. I'll give myself in their place so that you will let that child go. In the garden, we just studied this in John 18. Jesus had Judas Iscariot coming into the garden with at least 200 soldiers following. And he said, after he knocked them all down by saying the words, I am, remember that? They all went down. They, all, they got themselves up. They got their helmets back on. And Jesus said, who are you looking for? <laughs> what would you say at that point? Oh, oh, never mind. Jesus of Nazareth, I told you I'm he. If it's me that you want, let these go their way. And he, the second Adam in a garden, to redeem what the first Adam failed to do, stands between the devil who had possessed Judas at the Last Supper and his bride. And he says, if you want me, let them go. See, that is, a, that is a picture of redemption. That's what the second Adam did for us. The first Adam failed because he stood there and the devil was tempting his wife and he did nothing. He sat there in passivity. The second Adam said, I will stand between you, the serpent, and my bride, and you're not going to touch any of them. I will lay down my life for my sheep. And so Jesus ransoms us. I heard a recent story of a woman involved in a unique ministry. She tries to rescue girls out of sex trafficking. Uh, this is a reality in our world right now where uh, a girl comes on, uh, I think it was focused on the family, tells a story where this, these guys come and uh, I think one guy in particular make it sound like they like her, uh, offer her a new life in Seattle and she buys the whole thing hook, line, and sinker. And their real MO is they've been hired by a group. They sell young girls into sex trafficking in the United States of America. And they worked on her for months and months and convinced her. And they were about to drive her or fly her to Phoenix to sell her to businessmen who pay for these kind of girls to basically rent them for the weekend. She was about to go into this lifestyle unknowingly. And this woman, uh, through a young man who knew the girl, uh, they contacted her, recognized the signs, and she was rescued out of it 
by the knowledge and wherewithal of this group, but she was about to be sold into sex slavery. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Michael Lance says that at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week and learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. But she was about to be sold into sex slavery. There are ministries worldwide worldwide right now that go into foreign countries, and their singular goal is to rescue young girls and sometimes young boys out of sex trafficking. We have a sick world. And there's a lot of dark stuff that goes on in our world. Acts 20.28 says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased, remember, with his own blood. Jesus Christ has bought us. I want you to go to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. Peter's going to give us a little bit more insight into this idea of sojourning, our our status on the earth, and uh, what we can do to deal with the reality of who we are. And so 1 Peter 1, verse 17, I'm going to read from the ESV. If you call on him as father who judges impartially, 1 Peter 1, 17, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time, The time of your what? If you have the ESV, it says exile. What does it say in other versions? Stay on the earth. Okay. 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or without spot. So conduct yourself in fear through your time of exile. Do you remember that in uh, Hebrews uh, 11, it says of Abraham and the faithful that they saw themselves as sojourners and aliens because they were looking for another world or another reality, another place whose architect and builder is God. So Abraham saw himself as simply passing through. And, you know, we have those stickers now. I have a hat. It has the abbreviation, not of this world. That's what, the, that, that's what that means. We are in the world, certainly, but we are sojourners. We are still, in one sense, exiles. We are still passing through the world. Now, we've been redeemed, and positionally, we are in Christ, and we have every spiritual blessing, but practically, we're still here. And if you interviewed Paul while he was writing Ephesians, he'd say, yeah, I'm still here, but my spiritual reality is I'm in Jesus Christ. We are passing through but we got to deal with stuff that we're passing through. 
uh, as we're passing through. And here's what Peter says in verse 11 of chapter 2. Beloved, 1 Peter 2.11, I urge you as aliens and strangers to what? Abstain. That's a word that people don't like these days. To abstain from fleshly lusts, what do they do? They wage war against your soul. Now here's the deal. Spiritually speaking, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places and we have the blessings of Christ, every spiritual blessing. But you want to know something? You want to know something that will cause a war in your soul that will now cause a division in what you are but what's really happening in your life? It'll be fleshly lusts. The world is filled with them. Go to the supermarket. Go through the supermarket line, right? Go to buy your bananas. And on the rack, you can't imagine. And if you have a young kid, you can't imagine what's on display. Just in the grocery line. I remember uh, years ago, I was in business, and we're going to do a business trip to New Orleans. And what's the real seedy street that um, people like to go on there? Bourbon Street. And so I was talking to a friend of mine. He's a believer. That was a pretty quick answer. <laughs> just, just messing with you. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty well known. So, so I asked this friend of mine, I said, you know, I've heard about this street and I'm not sure, you know, our group on, in our time off, they want to walk down the street, right? And so my friend says, be prayed up, but you should experience it. You should just walk down the street and see what's there. So our group goes and I was with, I think all non-Christians. And they were like, you know, let live and let live. So what? Big deal. You know, all these CD posters. So I'm looking around and these families are walking down this street and there are pictures of nude women in the windows of these places. And there's little kids walking with their families and you can see the little kids. And I'm, I'm trying to tell the dads, cover his eyes. What are you doing? It was a terrible. I'll I, I tell you this. I began to walk down that street and weep. Because you see the ugliest stuff and you're like, oh, whatever, live and let live. I'm, I'm like, no, not whatever. This is the kind of town that God rained fire and brimstone on. Not whatever. See, we're sojourning through and let's face it, we still have a part of us, scholars struggle to, what to call it, but we can call it our flesh because that's what we find here. It's called our fleshly lust. They will wage war against your soul. There's still a battle. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ, but we still got something to do. We need to keep our behavior excellent, verse 12, among the Gentiles. In this case, it represents unbelievers. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds... As they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So we have a life to live and we have redemption through his blood, but we still face life. And in Ephesians 1.7, it says that this redemption gives us forgiveness of our sins. Forgiveness is a wonderful word, isn't it? Uh, it's a freeing word, um, I told the story at third service that Sunday, a young man came up to me. He's been coming here for a couple of months. He has a believing wife. 
And he came up and he introduced himself and he said he was blessed to be here. He wasn't yet ready to become a Christian. And so I prayed with him and I said, if you ever have a question, well, he came up with tears in his eyes Sunday and told me he had given his life to Christ. And he said, Michael, he said, it was like a weight lifted off me and joy replaced that weight. And sometimes, you know, if you've been in the Lord for quite a long time, you kind of forget that initial experience of how it felt when you got saved. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. And what that means is the forgiveness of all our trespasses. And a trespass means when you cross the line and you know where it is. It is. It's not the word for sin there, harmatia, which means to miss the mark of perfection. We've all done that. But we've also all transgressed, right? A transgression is to pass over something that you know you shouldn't pass over and you still transgress it. We have the forgiveness of our transgressions according to the riches of his grace. The word for forgive in Ephesians 1.7 is a thesis. It basically means to send away. You've been listening to Redemption Through His Blood, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians chapter one, verses seven and eight. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, maybe you're new to the Christian faith and you start hearing about blood and redemption through Christ's blood and you're like, blood? <laughs> what is this deal about blood? What's it all about? Well, when the Bible says that we are redeemed or we have redemption through the blood of Christ, it's essentially saying through the death of Christ. See, because Jesus shed his blood and the Bible teaches that the life is in the blood, Christ's life poured out for us gives us life. Now, it might be an unusual thought, but it, here's a way to think about it. If someone were to uh, step in front of a, a bullet for you, take a bullet for you, step in front of a perpetrator, let's say, uh, sta- step up for you and um, push you out of the way of a moving car and then you know, take the blow themselves. This is the idea. One stepping in and shedding their blood on your behalf. Uh, You know, maybe that brings it more into the realm of what we can understand. Christ dies for us so that we can be spared God's judgment. He takes the blow. He takes the wrath instead of us. He sheds his blood. That's the idea of Christ's vicarious atonement. That's the big phrase in theological circles, simply meaning Christ dies in the place of sinners and his atoning sacrifice is the shedding of his blood, indeed, his very death and his resurrection. That's what it's all about. And Jesus Christ died for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God put his love on display at the cross. He loves you. And all he's asking is that you trust him. Repent of your sin. Receive Jesus. Say, Lord, I believe that you died on that cross for me, that love was on display at that cross for me. I'm going to repent and receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Pray it if it's you. Be my Lord, my God, my King. I want to follow you 
all the days of my life. He is so faithful to save. He saves by grace as a gift, not earned or deserved, simply received. Then what you do with it is what the latter half of the book of Ephesians is all about. You walk it out. (laughs) Well, speaking of walking it out, you know, one of the best ways to uh, grow your walk is to be in fellowship. Now, I have the privilege of serving as senior pastor at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. We have two services, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. We happen to be moving through the majestic book of Exodus, which is really a book about salvation. And we'd love for you to join us. So if you're anywhere near the Southern California area, Inland Empire, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. I'd love for you to come. I'd love to meet you. Remember, if you're not in Southern California or in the area, you can watch the service on our YouTube channel. We are airing the first service at 8.30, but you can catch it pretty much anytime. You can join us live at 8.30 Pacific time. And I would love to meet you. You say, well, Pastor Michael, how do I find out details? Go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com and click on the church tab and you'll get everything you need. Or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store and you'll find all the details about Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. I would love to meet you. It's a great church. I know you'll be blessed. God bless you. And I pray you have a great weekend. And Lord willing, we will see you right here next time. Join us tomorrow on this station for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians chapter one, verses seven and eight, called Redemption Through His Blood. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.